Good morning and welcome to Fellowship of the Rockies. Those of you in this room and those of you that are over there in our theater, we want to welcome you this morning. And uh, through the month of February, I've been doing a bunch of standalone messages. I ended a series after the first of the year called Nude Beginnings. We walked out of that series. And so through the month of February, I'm going to do um, some standalone messages. And then in March, I'll, for fact, I think it's the first weekend of March, I'll launch a brand new series. And so predominantly through, through February, I've been walking with you through the book of, of Proverbs. And, and that's what I've chosen to do. I feel like that's the way Lord, Lord's led me this weekend as well. Uh, to just carry you a little bit deeper into the book of Proverbs. I want to ask a question, and it's basically the, the topic of this sermon. The title of this sermon is The Most Important Thing. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, have you established the most important thing in your life? Have you established your priorities? Or, or maybe you know that. And so, so the question maybe is, is, what is the most important thing in your life? And now, now Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs, would say the most important thing in his life was godly wisdom. You see, there was a time in Solomon's life when, when early in his life, God came to him and God asked him a question. And God asked him, Solomon, uh, I'll give you a blank check. I'll give you one thing. I'll give you anything that you ask for, I will give. What would you like? I mean, what a deal is that? And can you imagine if God came to you and said, listen, I'm going to give you one thing. You, whatever it is, just a blank check. You tell me, I'll give it to you. What would you ask for? Uh, would you ask for a new car? Would you ask for a new house? Uh, would you ask for a pile of money, a bigger bank account? Uh, would you ask for uh, a new career? Would you ask for education? Uh, would you ask for a new husband? Uh, <laughs> new wife? No. Okay, so when I say stuff like that, uh, wives, just look straight at me. Don't nudge. Don't say anything. Just straight. We don't want to turn this into pre or marital counseling. Um, so what would you ask for? You know what Solomon asked for? Solomon asked for wisdom. Solomon asked for this issue. He says, God, here, here's what I want. If I can have one thing, just give me wisdom. Just give me godly wisdom. As a result of that, uh, Solomon wrote the entire book of Proverbs. The entire book of Proverbs is about this issue of wisdom. It's a wisdom in, in, in dating life. It's, it's wisdom in purity and moral purity and marriage and, and how to handle relationships, how to handle conflict, all of those other things. And so, so Solomon writes the book of Proverbs, which is about wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to be all over. If you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can, you can join me in Proverbs. Proverbs 1, Proverbs 4, and then Matthew 23. We're going to look at the teaching of Jesus and kind of overlay it with this. And look at this issue because Jesus talks about the most important thing. And so in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, here's what he says. This is what Solomon says. Back over his life, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do, and he should know. That's what he asked for. That's what he received. Uh, even, even historians of their day would say well, Solomon was the wisest man to have ever lived. And so he's, he goes on, and, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will honor you. So the purpose of the book of Proverbs, what, what the book tells us, what, what Scripture tells us, we don't have to guess with stuff like this. fact is, Scripture answers our questions for us. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, as we just start reading Solomon begins to talk about the purpose of this book. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. The purpose, so there's a purpose, we don't have to guess, is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. So let's stop right there. Let's get a, let's get a biblical working definition of wisdom. Wisdom is this. Wisdom is the ability to be able to see the problem and then the knowledge to know how to respond to the problem in a way in which God would have you. See, there's a lot of people that can see the problem. There are a lot of people that can see the problem in a marriage or relationships or parenting or a career, profession, the culture, whatever. 
But see, wisdom says it's just not being able to see the problem. I mean, there are a lot of people that can see the problem. Wisdom is this. Godly wisdom is this. Is that when we can see the problem and we know how God wants us to respond to the problem, when we understand how God wants us to handle the situation or handle the problem. So that's a biblical definition of what biblical wisdom is, what godly wisdom is. Verse 3, we just keep on going. Their purpose is to teach people to live a disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. Like the wise, listen to these proverbs and let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables. These words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. In other words, fools dislike, despise godly wisdom, how to handle a situation God's way, and despise wisdom in discipline. So wisdom is this. Wisdom is learning to respond to problems in your life. It's learning to respond to life in a way that God would have you respond. Now, here's the problem. The problem is we have a sin nature. The problem is this, is that we have an inclination to sometimes make decisions not based upon what God says, but what we feel is right, or to trust ourselves and not trust God. In fact, his Proverbs, uh, uh, Solomon was pretty upfront about this in Proverbs 14, 12, and he just said this. He says, there's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, in the end it leads to death. It leads to destruction. See, godly wisdom helps us not to inflict pain on ourselves. And if we're honest, most of the problems we deal with in life are problems we've caused. And so, wisdom is this issue of learning to live life based upon God's word, what God says. I mean, maybe this morning you don't have to answer this out loud, but how many times have you made a decision and you thought it was right? And, and you thought it was the right thing to do, and you thought it made sense, and you thought it was a good idea at the time. And you never had any consideration of what God's word would say about it or what God would have you to do. And all of a sudden you had pain and hurt and loss and difficulty. See, see Proverbs says this. Proverbs talks about the importance of just living a holy life. And uh, Well, Proverbs talks about, and if you've been with us in the New Beginning series, we talked that the spiritual life is lived from the inside out to where it's, it's, it's just something that, that lived from the inside out, that we're a new creation, and it's lived from the inside out, not the outside in. You realize Proverbs talks about this as well. In fact, it's Jesus talked about it over and over and over, that, that whatever happened to the importance of just living a, a holy life, an inside out, instead of an outside in, which is just a, a superficial life. To where an individual is only really concerned about their parents and making a good impression and all of those other things. And so, but it's not an inside out. See, Jesus began talking about this topic. He began talking about this inside out living instead of outside in living and about 2,000 years ago. So he got a bunch of church folks together, which had a lot of application in their culture, has a lot of application in our culture today. So he gets this gathering around, and they're all church folks. And he says, hey, I just want to talk to you. I want to tell you some things. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. We'll just pick the story up, and we'll read all the way through 26. Here's what Jesus said to some church people. He said, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, faith. You should tithe, yes, 
But do not neglect the more important things. You blind guides. You strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat. But you swallow a camel. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup. So Jesus is going to make this correlation. He says basically two types of people. Outside the cup people and inside the cup people. And so he goes on and he says, For you're so careful to, to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside, you're filthy. And you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees. First, so here we go. First, you wash the inside of the cup. And guess what happens in the dish? And guess what happened? And then the outside will become clean also. And a lot of people say, you know what? If I clean the outside, then somehow it'll get to the inside of me. And that never happens. You start with beliefs, not with behavior. See, most people in life, they just want to... They just want to make a good impression, right? I mean, we live in a culture that's obsessed with just making a good impression and, and living superficial lives and, and living on the outside of the cup. And so Proverbs says this. Proverbs says wisdom is this. Wisdom is when we focus on the inside of the cup and we understand that it, there's an inside change that infects the outside. See, we live in a culture that is focused on making a good impression. See, in our culture, you don't have to live like a Christian, you just have to look like one. Proverbs says that's dangerous. Jesus says that's dangerous. So you don't have to be a great man or woman of character. You just have to have the appearance of character. And Jesus in Proverbs says, you know what, that's dangerous. You don't have to be in our culture. You don't have to be a man or a woman of great integrity. You just have to have the appearance of, being, of having integrity, appearance of, of transparency. And again, it's just dangerous. Listen. You don't have, in our culture, you don't have to be a great husband and you don't have to be a great wife. As long as when you're out in public, you look like a great husband and you look like a great wife. Doesn't mean what's, it doesn't matter what's going on in the home, doesn't matter when the doors are closed, doesn't matter how you treat your wife, doesn't matter how you treat your husband. When nobody's looking, what matters is, is good impression when you're outside of the home that you have the appearance of being a great father or a great husband or a great wife. In this culture, you don't have to be a great dad. You don't have to be a great wife, uh, a mom. You just have the appearance of that. See, our culture is obsessed. Our culture is obsessed with living superficial lives, living the outside of the cup, because there's tremendous reward for that in this culture. See, our culture, our culture rewards that type of living. We celebrate that type of living. Now listen, I really worried about using this illustration because I just don't want to lose you through this illustration. And I know I may be opening up some fresh wounds that haven't healed yet. But when I was watching the Super Bowl, <laughs> I know, Saturday night, we just shut the service down, opened up the prayer altar, we prayed for Bronco fans. <laughs> and listen, by the way, Bronco fans, you should not be embarrassed. Your team made it to the Super Bowl. You should celebrate that. They made it to the Super Bowl. They made it to the game. One of the funniest texts I got through the game was from a friend of mine that goes to our church. He sent me a text and said, yeah, I know what you Cowboy fans feel like now. And so that's probably the funniest one. So I'm watching the Super Bowl, and so just a couple of things. It was so interesting to me, you know, towards the, towards the end of the third quarter, first to the fourth quarter, when it's pretty evident, you know, the Broncos are going to lose this thing. All of a sudden, the sports analysts or the, the sports casters, which are outside the cup folks, they begin to talk about Peyton Manning's legacy. 
like losing this game or not winning the Super Bowl was going to affect his, his legacy. But see, inside the cup, folks know that you don't, your legacy is not, is not all the externals. See, inside the cup, people know that, guess what? You really don't hand down Super Bowl trophies to a family. You don't really hand down statistics, win-loss records, Super Bowls won, MVPs, all of the record-setting stuff that Peyton Manning's done. See, inside the cup, folks understand, and we get it, that guess what? That's not the legacy. That's not what you hand down. What you do hand down is, is an example of work ethic, an example of how you treat people in the home, outside of the home. An example of work ethic and a person that comes back from a career-threatening injury. Just work hard for a year and just to be disciplined to play football again. What you do hand down is when your family gets to see how humble you are in victory and how gracious you are in defeat. See, inside the cup, folks get that. Outside the cup, folks, they can only look at the accomplishments. That's not your legacy. That's not his legacy. You know, what was so interesting to me is Richard Sherman, who, who plays for the Seattle Seahawks, was quite the loudmouth guy, right? And so he was trash-talking Peyton Manning, saying Peyton Manning throws ducks and, and, and all this other stuff, and his arm strength, and he's questioning, his, his, uh, he's questioning everything about his ability. So, little-known story, and maybe you know this story. If you don't, this would be new news to you. So when the Super Bowl game was over and the confetti's flying and it was obvious, of course, that the Broncos had lost and Peyton Manning had lost and, and the whole deal. You know what Peyton Manning did? Towards the end, well, let me back up in case you didn't see the game. Towards the end of the fourth quarter, uh, Richard Sherman had a high ankle sprain and he was carted off. They x-rayed him and he came back, entered, he came back street clothes, crutches. So the game's over, confetti's flying. Peyton Manning goes while the confetti is still flying and he finds Richard Sherman. The guy who had trash-talked him, the guy who talked about him, said, you throw ducks. And he shook his head. He said, congratulations on a great win. And he said, how's your ankle? You going to be okay? Is it serious? Richard Sherman said of Peyton Manning, that man's a class act. I could learn a lot from Peyton Manning. That's a legacy. That's inside the cup stuff. No doubt Peyton Manning got it from his dad. His dad is Archie Manning, played quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Peyton Manning said of his dad's priorities in an interview many years back, he said, you know, my dad, number one, you know, when you look at my dad's priorities, he never went to a Super Bowl, stayed at the same football team his whole career. He said his first priority was God. He was a believer. He was a Christian. Regardless of my dad's schedule, regardless of his football schedule, we were in church every weekend. We were, we were, we were in Sunday school every weekend. Second priority in my dad's life is he was a husband, he was a dad. Third priority in his life, he's a football player. He's a football player. That's who he was. He said, my dad had his priorities straight. My dad had his priorities in order. In other words, his dad was an inside-the-cup guy. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus addressed some church folks with a pretty hard message. And he said, and if you're an outside-the-cup person, if you're a superficial person, if you're only worried about a good impression, I just want you to know this, woe to you. Now, in the Greek, that word woe, W-O-E, in the English, is a deep word. It means this. It's a painful word. It means great sorrow to you, great hurt to you, great disappointment to you, great sorrow to you if you only care about outside-the-cup stuff. 
great sorrow to you if you only care about appearance, if you only care about a form of godliness. See, Proverbs says this, there's great danger in, in living superficial lives. Paul's writing to Timothy, and Timothy's going to be a pastor, and he's giving him some pastoral uh, instruction in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And here's what he says. Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, you should know this. Then in the last days, there will be very difficult times, for people will only love themselves and their money. In other words, you know what their priorities are going to be? Self. It's going to be their money. It's going to be their time. You try to come in between their money and their time as a pastor, guess what? They are going to push back. Why? Because their priorities is all about them. Their priorities are about their time, how they spend their time, and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Is that not where we are right now in our culture, where our culture doesn't consider anything sacred? I mean, to where the, just the opening of his word and just reading his word daily, the worship service that we enter into, the Lord's table, when we take the Lord's supper together. You know what? Our culture doesn't even consider marriage secular anymore. Fact is, we've turned marriage into a government thing. And what he said, he said, you know what's going to happen? In the last days, there's going to be a group of people, and they're not going to consider anything that's sacred. And then he goes on and he says, they will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others, have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, outside the cup folks. They only care about appearance. They only care about looking like a Christian, not living like a Christian. But they will reject the power that can make them godly. And isn't that interesting? He's talking to church folks. He says, there's some church folks you should stay away from. Because they will influence you. And so we live in a time where even, you know what, there's even church folks today. That they, are, they, they really care more about just, just having a form of godliness. And Jesus would say, you know what, that's just not enough. Jesus would say, you know what, that cup will not hold water. See, the, the outside of the cup, life, may offer a form of godliness, but there will be no power in your life. I mean, it really and truly is a question I've had to deal with. Do you want to live, do you want to live a, an ordinary life or an extraordinary life? Where you see some extraordinary things go on. And so, Paul, uh, so Jesus is saying, here's the deal. When, you live in, when you're an inside the cup person, you have great power in your life. But we live in a culture, we live in a time where even church folks are saying, you know what, you don't really have to live like a Christian, you just have to look like a Christian, and you can live like hell, you can make any decision you want, you can do anything that you want, because you know what, what's really important is you just look like a Christian, to where people just think you're a Christian. And Jesus was like, you know what, that's just not enough. And if you don't know why you believe and what you believe, then I'm telling you, your Christianity is irrelevant. And there's power in truly worshiping God and telling God, God, I want you to clean the inside of my cup. God, I just don't want to have a form of godliness so I just act like a Christian when I go to church or I act like a Christian when I'm with my Christian friends or I act like a Christian. Meanwhile, my life is a wreck. And Jesus would say, you know, first off, we clean the cup and we clean the inside of the cup. And whatever happened just to live in a holy life, Whatever happened to a time when there are some things that are just sacred, just the opening of his word and worship in the Lord's table 
and, and, and offerings and giving and serving and all of those other things. See, the book of Proverbs is this issue about living a holy life from the inside out where we make choices every day and we understand this, that the way that I live life will either honor God or dishonor him to where we're willing just to open up his word and just read it, day, read it daily, committing our day to him and applying it to our life. And when people look at you, do they know you're a Christian or do they wonder? Do they, do the, the choices you make, the words you say, your actions, when they look at you, do they know you're a believer or do they wonder? I mean, the older I get, I'm understanding that people just want to know if you're the real deal. Right? I mean, people are wanting to know, does, does Christianity really work? Are you the real deal? It's amazing to me the number of illustrations that I use in, in my life, and my family's life, that I'll get, I'll get people that email me, talk to me in the halls or whatever, and say, was that story true? And all of my stories are true. But that wasn't always the case. Just as a confession. When I started preaching and started in ministry, I, I wanted to make a good impression so bad that I embellished stories. I exaggerated some stories in my life. You ever been around that person that they tell the same story four or five different ways? <laughs> For a laugh, and they appear to be funnier than they really are, smarter than they really are, more spiritual than they really are? See, I thought it was about making a good impression. Until the day I came home from preaching and my wife and my two girls were on the front row and we're having, we're having lunch and Karen looks across the table at me, that's my wife, and Karen looks across the table at me and says, can, can we just tell you something? Me and the girls know that story wasn't true. We know. We know. I'm like, really? <laughs> It's like God whispered to me, how, how can I move in your life? How can I move in your ministry when you're lying? Because you want to make a good impression. And I confessed to them. I told them I was sorry. First, I'm a believer. I'm a husband. I'm a dad, what they think of me. Because they know. And then I'm a pastor. A lot of people in our culture, even people in churches, say you just have to have a form of godliness. You just have to appear. You just got to learn enough Christian words to be able to appear you're a Christian, say some things like you're a Christian. You just have to look the part. But I'm telling you, you'll never see the power of God in your life. When people live a superficial life, you know what they want to do? They just want to make a good impression. Holy life is one that keeps company with God, where people believe that it's possible to live above sin and the power of the Holy Spirit. See, a popular person wants to make a, a nice impression, but a holy person makes a difference. And Jesus thought this was such a big deal that he's trying to get it across to these people that he's talking to. He's trying to move these people from outside the cup folks who don't see God's power in their life and they know it's superficial, and guess what? Their family knows it's superficial. To inside the cup people. We live in a society, right, that focuses on outside the cup. We, we, we live in a society that's all about superficial issues. And we know that when Justin Bieber dominates the headlines. 
Like, who cares? Seriously. Who cares? Molly Cyrus, Lady Gaga, you know, you name them. When, the, when they're the leading, and we call it a news story, seriously? See, we live in a society, and you know that you're, you know that you're an outside-the-cup or superficial society. When all you talk about is symptoms and, and, and not sin issues of the society. When all you talk about, you know what, we just need more, we need more laws. We need to come up with more laws. That's what we need. You know what that is? That's outside the cup, folks. That's people that believe that we focus on behavior and not beliefs. And all we need, we need more laws and we need better laws and we need to write more laws and that achieve. But listen, in a superficial society, superficial society is godless. And God wants you to make a difference in the marketplace and where you work. And God wants you to speak for him. And God wants you to display godly wisdom and, and so that people know that your Christianity is real and you're not one way with this group of people and you're not one way with this other group of people. You just, you just are who you are. And God wants to use you in the marketplace. And so guess what that means? That means you don't judge. It means you don't judge other people. That means you don't slander other people. That means you don't gossip about other people. That means you don't make fun of other people. That mean, guess what? That means you don't make racial comments. The Bible is very clear. There's no such thing as one culture being better than the other. Different. It's a sad commentary when Christians are racial. That means you don't laugh at coarse jokes. That means you walk away from sexual innuendos. That means you walk away from sexual temptation. That means you become a lover of your husband or your wife only. That means you model Christ for your family inside the home, just not when you're sitting in the pew or the chair next to them in a worship service. And you model Christ for your children. You model Christ for your grandchildren so they know that you're a believer and they know that this has power and they know this is important. Listen, we're in a new phase of our life. We got, we got two grandkids now, two, two boys, Gavin and Micah. Gavin's almost two years old, and our girls were raised knowing how to journal, and, and they'd watch their mom journal, they'd watch me journal, and, and we had rules with journals that if you find someone else's journal, you don't get to read it, it's private, and all this other stuff. And so Karen was, was spent some time with Brittany and Gavin, and I came up and joined them after, after work, and Karen was so excited that Gavin had found her journal, and he didn't know the rule, and I'm supposed to open it. And, <laughs> and so he opened it up, and he, he colored in it. And so, you know, when you're a grandparent, everything's cute that they do. <laughs> and Karen was so touched, she says, Gavin journaled. <laughs> and so, you know, it hit me. You know, we, we taught our girls to journal, and guess what? We're going to teach our grandkids to journal. You know why most people don't know God? Because they don't see God. Most Christians don't see God the way Isaiah saw God. A worship service for them is just not to be enjoyed, it is be, to be endured. Because I just got a form of godliness. I just got to go through the ritual, I got to go through the routine. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, you can read the story for yourself, he was an outside the cup guy. He talked about symptoms, not about sin. He talked about symptoms, not about issues. He talked about outside the cup stuff, not inside the cup stuff. And Isaiah goes to a worship service one day. And in the midst of the worship service, he saw God high and lifted up. And Isaiah moved, because listen, I'm telling you, when you see God high and lifted up and holy and righteous and pure, you cannot help but move from outside the cup to inside the cup. It's impossible not to. And all of a sudden, Isaiah no longer talked about outside the cup stuff, no longer talked about symptoms, no longer talked about issues. 
And Isaiah confessed in the congregation when he was worshiping him and he saw God high and lifted up. And he said, woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips. We don't know what that meant. We don't, mean, we don't know if he's used some words he wasn't supposed to use. He, he, he didn't use church words or whatever. Or we don't know if it meant that he slandered some people, gossiped about some people, hurt some people with his tongue. We don't know what that meant. But we know this. All of a sudden, Isaiah's life changed when he moved from outside the cup to inside the cup. And all of a sudden, he no longer had a form of godliness, but he was an inside-the-cup guy. So I'm telling you, people that have a form of godliness, you come and go. People that are outside the cup people, you only follow God when things go well for you. But when things get difficult and the going gets tough, you bail. Why? Because there's a form of godliness, because it's just about the outside. It's just about what benefits me, what, how he blesses me. And Job writes in Job chapter 1 that, that the toughest times to follow him is in the difficult times. That's when you and I get to find out, what do we really believe? And when Job lost everything, he's in a worship service. Job, Job chapter 1, verse 20, watch this. Job stood up and tore his, his robes and, and, and grieved. See, when Job lost everything, he didn't bail on the church. He didn't quit the church. He ran to the church. Then he shaved his head and he fell to the ground to worship. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had. The Lord has taken it away. Away, Praise the name of the Lord. That is an inside-the-cup person. That is an inside-the-cup person. When you have lost everything and you can still stand up in the congregation and say, I lift my hands because I choose to believe again. That you are good. And that you are holy. And it's not about the outside. It's about the inside-the-cup stuff. So you may be wondering, are there any points to this sermon? we got some blanks here and we need to fill something in. Let me give you three things about how to get godly wisdom. I'm telling you, every one of us needs this. Just real quickly. First thing is this. If you're going to get godly wisdom, you have to spend time in his word. Listen, I'm going to keep hammering that. I've, I've hammered that for my whole ministry. Some of you, you come from backgrounds that you were told, guess what? Don't read wor the word for yourself. You can't understand it. We'll explain to you what the Bible says. Here's the crazy deal. The Bible wasn't written to priests. The Bible wasn't written to pastors. The Bible wasn't written to theologians. The Bible wasn't written to denominations. The, the Bible was written to believers. And if anyone has told you that you cannot read the Bible for yourself and understand it, they have... Now be kind. They have misled you. I'm telling you. Your life will change when you become inside the cup and you read his word. Here's what Proverbs 1.5 says. Let the wise listen to the Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables. The words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Wisdom will teach you how to act in every situation. You know what the problem is? In the world, you, you can get answers. Everybody's looking for answers. You can get it from the world or you can get it from the word of God. Where are you going to get it from? Can I just tell you this? Outside the cup people, they can quote Dr. Phil, Oprah, Cosmo, Sports Illustrated, ESPN. They can give you statistics of win-loss records, passer rating, quarterback rating. They can give you all that. They can't quote the Word of God. They don't know what it says. 
Second thing is this. If you're going to get godly wisdom, you've got to let God's word guide you. Proverbs 7.1 says, Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Treasure my word. Open, obey my commands and live. Guard my instruction as you guard your own life. And I'm going to just tell you, this may freak you out me saying this, but hear the whole statement. The Bible has no power in your life if you don't read it and apply it to your life. It's not what I said, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said the blessing of my word comes when you apply it to your life. If you want to know the secret to a successful life inside the cup of living, it's taking his word applying it to your life. The last thing is this, it's hard. Trust God and not yourself. Outside the cup people, they trust themselves more than they trust God. They'll say things like, well, you know what? I'll trust God more when I understand him. You know where the understanding comes when you start trusting him? You don't understand him and trust him. You trust him, and then walking with him, you begin to understand him. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. A form of godliness that has no power is to trust yourself and not trust God. Wisdom is to the ability, the knowledge to trust God more than you trust yourself. So the question is, is who are you trusting today? I, uh, wherever I go, I, I, it's just maybe some of you are like me, but I, whether it's a restaurant or in a store or whatever, I, I overhear some conversations. My wife would say, I'm nosy, I consider it a spiritual gift. <laughs> some of you may have that gift, right? I mean, you go to a restaurant, and you know what people are talking about with this table next to you, or, or you know what people are saying, and so I just think it's a spiritual gift. So I'm in Hastings, and many years ago, Hastings was across the street. That's a long time ago. Uh, some of you that knew our community didn't even know that, but it's, it was over there. I'm in Hastings. I've got two high school girls. I'm standing in line. Two high school girls are in front of me, and, uh, and uh, I'm waiting to check out, and I'm bored, and so I'm listening to their conversation wasn't very deep, but it was hilarious. And so I'm listening to their conversation. And in the midst of their conversation, one of the girls turns to the side, and you know those, those book racks and those things they try to get you to impulse buy. And so she picked up a, a horoscope, horoscope book. She opens it up, and she's like thumbing through it real quick. And her girlfriend looks at her kind of shocked and says, you believe that stuff? Her answer's classic. Her answer, she turns to her friend. She says, no, not really. I just like to read it at the end of the day and see how close it is. That's how a lot of people approach God's Word. Outside the cup, people do not want a king. They want a consultant. Outside the cup, people just read the Bible for maybe some good advice. See how close it is. And you may not like the teachings of Jesus. You may not like what Jesus said about forgiveness, how to handle your enemies, about marriage and moral purity, giving, serving. You may not like any of You may not like some of the things Jesus says. But here's what I think. I think because he went to the cross, he took my sin, he shed his blood for me, and he was resurrected on the third day, I think we should listen to him. But through him and through his blood, we have forgiveness. We have eternal life. 
have a relationship with Him. In Christ, we're perfect and holy. And because of that, I think we should listen to Him. And I know there are a lot of people who say, well, I don't know if I like the thing that Jesus says there's only one way to the Father, it's through Him. I think that's kind of narrow-minded. There should be many ways. Here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for a way to God. I am thankful that He gave us a way to Him for forgiveness and for eternal life. And so the question to you is, who are you trusting? And are you in relationship with Him? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? Just real quickly, we won't be in this moment long. It's probably the most important part for us to look at this and say, how are we going to respond to this message? What is our next step? Maybe today you need to accept him for the very first time and ask him to come into your life and give you the gift of eternal life. This is your day. Maybe you say, you know what, I'm an outside-the-cup guy. I'm an outside-the-cup girl. And I want to move to inside the cup. I don't want a form of godliness. I don't want to live a life in such a way that my family, I am one way outside the home and I'm another way inside the home. I don't want to live in such a way. I want to leave a legacy. Not of a bunch of accomplishments, but I want to leave a legacy to my family. It can start today. It did in Isaiah's life. Maybe today you're carrying a burden. So you know what? I'm, I'm carrying a load. We want to lift that load. We want to lift that burden. Fact is, last year we prayed for over 2,000 people at the end of our services. We have story after story what God has done in the front of this place when people humbled themselves and prayed. So you don't need to be embarrassed by that you need pray, prayer. Every one of us needs prayer. So if you have a burden, if you're carrying a burden, whether it's a financial, medical, or relational issue, something going on in your life, whether you want to pray for someone else, whether you're trying to make a decision, you're discerning what is the path to take, what is the road to take, Maybe you just want someone a spiritual decision. You just want to pray with someone and talk to someone. Then this moment's for you.